Stride and Strike, the Pathfinder 2nd Edition RPG actual play stream and podcast bringing you your favorite Paizo adventure paths from Lost Omens Galarian. Join Galarian's Greatest as they adventure through a magical fantasy world of the past here on Greatest Guardians Gaming Network. Nobody could hear me. And now everybody can hear all of us. Yay! Because I suck at doing things online. Cool. Um, <laughs> hi. <laughs> Live streaming is a start. skill. <laughs> it's a Big skill. Um, hey, everybody. So it's good to see you all. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here. Super excited to start a new show on the network tonight. Um, we're just going to do names. We're not going to do character names. We're going to do our names and our pronouns. And then we're going to jump right in. So hello, my name is Emma. I use she, her pronouns. Let's go to Tommy. Hi, I'm Tommy. I use he, him pronouns. Let's go to Joran. Hi, my name is Joran, and I also use he, him pronouns. And then Dan. Hello. Um, my voice might be a little scratchy. That's because it's largely gone. Um, but my name's Dan, and I use he, him pronouns. gone and we have drew <laughs> sorry likewise i'm also not here at my best i just got COVID today but i'm drew and i use he him pronouns um i'm really glad you still wanted to be here <laughs> oh i'm just i'm really upset because i wanted to get like a plague mask to do the first session with but i wasn't going to get one in time so i decided just to go be a cat girl instead now you have a different plague mask yeah yeah <laughs> 21st century plague mask um and then let's go to Con. super meta Bringing up the rear, um, I am Khan, and I, too, use he, him, his pronouns. Cool. I'm really excited. I think we should just jump right in. Do it. Ready? I remember the years of struggle. I was a young man back then. Instead of Grandfather Awa. Oh yes, and I was a skilled archer. With the silence of a great cat I stopped prey. With the sharpness of eye to rival of falcons. I watched over our following. With the patience of a mammoth. I knew when to lay still and when to strike with all the strength that I had. What I did not know was when to use each of them together. Both our herd and our numbers were still small. We had only recently started recruiting others into our following and teaching them the ways of the Broken Tusk. I was only a little older than some of you are now. <laughs> Still an adult in the eyes of the following, but young enough to be over-eager to prove myself. My day's task was to scout ahead. I was to learn which creatures had awakened from slumber, which patches of grass had revealed from the snow beneath, and to ensure the herd's next resting spot would be free of predators and other dangers. 
I took no partner with me, save for Isul, my beloved friend, my heir rider, such a magnificent falcon. He too was eager to explore the way ahead, and so I encouraged him to go. It was exhilarating exploring by myself, knowing Isul was not too far away. Stepping carefully along the sprouting grasses and dotted pools of melted snow, I came upon a spot that led to a shallow riverbed. I was stirred by its beauty and felt a swell of pride. This would be a fantastic resting spot for the herd. In my excitement, I did not pay close enough attention. For by the time I had approached, too late did I see the giant creature already exploring the edge of the water. I froze in place, watching and waiting, hoping the massive bear would be more interested in the fishing than in me. It seemed oblivious to my presence. Well, I should have let it be and report back to the others, but a thought crossed my mind. How fantastic would it be, not just to return to the following with news of this beautiful resting site, but to crown that achievement with another. <laughs> I see some of you already shaking your heads at the thought, and you are right to do so. Only, I was convinced I was not alone. I could call for Isul, and together we could handle anything. And the longer I thought about it, the more I persuaded myself it was the best choice. Food was in short supply, after all, and the great creature could provide much. I crouched low in the muddy bank and readied my bow. But when I looked up, I was not ready to see the great beast charging at me. The brown bear bounded toward me, then stopped short with a mighty thump of its front paws. It growled at me, teeth clacking. I began backing away from it slowly, hoping this was the only charge the creature would make. It was not. It surged forward again, with similar body language, only this time it connected, knocking me back into the mud, panic surging. I knew my greatest chance of living right now was to feign death. I rolled instantly to my stomach and cradled my head and neck with my arms. Already my hip, in, my, my hip was stinging from where the bear had made contact, but at least my instinct was correct. With a mighty thump that shook the mud, he stomped once more, but not on me. I then felt a moment of weightlessness. Soon followed by flattening and compassing pain and an icy splash of water above my shoulders, he tossed me into the river. Through the panic and the loud rush over my ears, it took me a moment before I realized two important things. I was still alive, and my legs were still connected to solid ground. Then. In my most desperate moment, my friend had returned. Isul dove at the bear, distracting him, leading him away from me. My hand fumbled to draw an arrow, and with horror, I realized all but one arrow had tumbled from my quiver. I whistled sharply, a signal to Isul. My falcon re responded immediately as I knew he would. He circled up around the bear's head once, leading the great creature just far enough away. 
he circled again, wheeling in the air as the bear opened his chest to my bow, and then with the single arrow, and more precision than I had ever known, I loosed my hold. The telltale spray of blood, the bear slumped with a splash. And truly, my following, this is the most important lesson I can give from the tale tonight. For I was weak fighting without a group, and I was nothing without Isul. We must learn to ask for and accept help when needed. My intentions were good, but it was a foolish choice that nearly cost me my life. In the following one of its hunters, this night I see you all here with me, listening and learning our ways, honoring each other and those who came before. I see you gathered, people of all shapes, all sizes, and my heart is happy. We are stronger for having you. Thank you for listening to an old man's story, and please enjoy your dinner. And we fade to black. And the fire begins to die out. And we enter a different scene. Just a moment. Grandfather Awa's request was clear. Hunt down and bring back a meal worthy of the upcoming night of the green moon. With the expert aid of head scout Whippa, tracking down a suitable beast was easy. With the quarry in sight, now comes the hard part, killing it. Though Head Scout Whippa accompanies you to provide guidance, you will be leading this hunt. Whippa is within a week of childbirth. And as she has communicated to you throughout the day leading up to this moment, this hunt is an excellent opportunity to test some of her more promising pupils. The impulsive Pakano accompanies you as well, great-grand-nephew of Grandfather Ewa current leader of House Falcon and of Broken Tusk itself. In the forest copse behind, beyond some thick foliage, dim morning light outlines a lone bull moose, nearly as big as a baby mammoth. The moose casts a wide shadow on the ridge to the north. The sound of trickling water from a stream to the west intermingles with that of the moose, idly munching on the tender grass sprouting from the recently thawed tundra. Your hunting party lurks behind thick foliage. The moose is in your sights and cornered, and it doesn't seem to have sensed your presence. This is our prey, Whippa whispers. We must not startle him. If we do and he charges us, we may only be able to run. The antlers atop his head will gore you if given the opportunity. Her words are met with a snort and an arrogant sneer from Pacano. Let's just get him, he growls. 
Whippa's recent teachings run through your mind as you consider the best tactics, various strategies accompanied by the reminder that while strategies will help, never be afraid to think creatively. And with that, I would like to know, are you thinking specifically of Whippa's hunting tactics? Would you as players like me to go through what those teachings may have been? Or would you like to come up with something else? Like, how trained do have we been so far? You have been trained uh, over the past couple years, um, but you are to the point where you are promising scouts, but you are not lead scouts. You accompany scout leaders and you assist them, um, but by no means are you the ones making the decisions. Um, so you are a student, but you are a promising student. Does that answer your question? Yeah. In that case, I would like to know like at least like a vague overview of what we've been taught. Okay. Thumbs up from people. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. I'm interested in knowing detailed information, but I don't know who's taking point here. Um, so, in the past, Whippa has taught you, blocking escape routes is successful. Imitating animal noises of the animal that you are hunting is successful. And rustling bushes, or making some sort of other minor noise, is successful in increasing your chances of a successful hunt. So those are the three main strategies that you've been taught in the past. Um, I'd like to go through character by character really quick and ask what would you gravitate or actually, you know what? Go ahead and, and talk in character. Um, Tommy, what do we see? We see a uh, small little three foot tall uh, being who is a leshy. The leshy is a uh, spirit that has been trapped into or summoned into a uh, plant of some sort. And uh, Mrs. Sprout is uh, appears to be um, less of a tree and more of like a bush. And she has small little um, red fruits dangling from her in various places. Um, yeah. Thank you. Joran, what do we see in your character? So you see Agnes, who's this, you know, beautiful blonde woman, uh, relatively tall. Um, and she's just kind of sitting there like shuffling. She has a deck of cards that she's kind of rifling through and kind of like casually as this conversation is happening well I just think we should sneak up on the poor bastard and uh Dan what do we see who do we see um everyone sees a fairly large extremely muscular uh, 
tall human with striking blonde hair and a gigantically comically oversized great axe which he lets sink to the floor with a shuddering thud as it lands and he says I think we should just chop it in half and uh Drew who do we see you see a roughly six foot two, six foot four uh, humanoid of some sort. Their body covered head to toe in studded leather armor, survival gear, composite bow, or not composite bow, I'm sorry, I couldn't afford that. Uh, short bow, hatchet, um, and most importantly, a plague mask covered by a hood of some sort. And without consulting anyone, Bloodhunter begins to walk to cut off the exit paths. Okay, I would like a nature or a survival check from you. Okay. How do I use foundry? Skills. Where are the skills? Uh, they're going to be on the Oh, I found them proficiencies. Hand, yeah. Yeah, okay. Nature or survival? Does it matter? Either one is great. Okay. Let's go with... A survival check. I press the button. I don't know if anything happened. Okay. I don't see anything. But while we're figuring that out, you also may have to uh, click on the. Once you click on the skill. Oh, I had to I click, on click on roll. the name, not the trained button. There you go. Gotcha. And while we're resolving that con, do we see? <laughs> It's going to be a great night. <laughs> For those uh, listening, that was a six. Um, you all see a um, gray catfolk um, in leathers clearly um, made to represent like nobility or, or status of some kind. And the thing that you notice most about this catfolk is that... Um, the hair growing around his face is very clearly um, styled in accordance to human urban stylings. Um, pretty prominent mustache, um, quite a long beard. Um, more than anything, though, um, what strikes you about Namir is he looks concerned and a little sad as he looks at the moose and he says nothing um so with your nature check whip is in the back like oh no that that way go that that way the other exit other exit. um and, and uh, we'll see how uh anything might uh proceed with that nature check um as we go forward did anybody want to do anything else with the preparations for this moose? Um, I think Mrs. Sprout would like to sort of walk around the edge of this shrubbery and try to like use her body to add to it so that it's like we can get closer or the others can get closer by hiding behind me. I like that. Um, I will allow you to, um, 
If you give me a successful stealth check, then you can move up in any direction closer to the moose, wherever there is foliage. As long as you are adjacent to a square with foliage in it. So well, now you're talking, Miss Browdy. 17. Uh. All right, um, move yourself wherever. As long uh, as you're adjacent to foliage. Mm-hmm. I think this is the best place to move. Okay. Um, and Whippa nods. Good thinking. Um, is there anyone else who would like to do anything? Uh, Agnes um, would like to... Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Bloodhound would like to make it over here to this high ground. Agnes would like to, like, sneak up into the cover of, you know, Mrs. Sprout. Okay. And since we are starting to move, um, everybody does get one move action um, or one action in general for what they would like to do. Um, So if you would like to move, Agnes, you can definitely go ahead and get in cover. But that will be your final move before we actually engage with this moose, if we do decide that that's what we're going to do. Okay. I mean, I think that's better than doing a stealth roll now. Okay. Better and to make a stealth roll in the cover, probably. Yeah, do we have I... to engage? Up to you. Because it's probably smarter if we surround it and make sure it can't run anywhere. So I think with the, um, the movement that you have, I, I don't think you have the available movement to completely surround it no it would take several turns yeah um i mean you can you can attempt to start doing that if you would like so feel free to move your character wherever you'd like oh man it's just gonna walk in okay cool (laughs) um i think arleth i haven't described her yet uh she walks over toward this side of the large trees, the foliage, and uh, she readies her bow. Um, and then Agnes, are you staying where you are? Um, I don't know if there's a map on screen, but I cannot see it. Okay. Um, did you say you wanted to move next to? Yes, I'd like Tommy? to move. Uh, yeah, up to Mrs. Sprout. Okay. There you go. <laughs> uh, I would like a stealth check from everyone, please. Uh, and do you want another one from me? I think we're going to use your initial stealth check. Cool. So it's it's Dex plus what bonus? Your trained bonus, if you have it. I I do. So what's the trained bonus? Is it plus three or two? Plus, plus three. Three because it's two plus your class or your right. level so oh so it's three plus my level it's uh two plus your level if you're trained okay two plus my level so three total cool yes hell yeah 22 nice <laughs> It just says on my screen, Khan privately rolled some dice. <laughs> Might be seeing quite a bit of that. Mrs. Sprout, what was I, your uh, 
your stealth roll, 17? Uh, yes. Okay. I'm gonna reload the game, because I think I must be frozen, because okay. I'm not rolling anything. Namir, did you roll that privately? I did. Okay, I see it. Then we have Arleth. So Arleth uh, appears to be a human woman, and she has a longbow in her left hand that seems to have like pieces of metal all throughout it. Um, she's got long, dark hair. And she wears furs over her shoulders that drape down her back. Um, she is wearing a bandeau across her chest that has like thin metal sheeting over it. And uh, she is, she also has a gear that is embedded into her neck that is turning. Um, do. Where is my character sheet for her? Nice. Cool. I'm back in, so let me give you that uh, roll. Okay. And Bloodhound. What was your? Uh, that would be a nineteen. Nineteen. Good rolls for a first session. Oh, that's a cool die. What is that die? That's neat. <laughs> I love Foundry. Agnes. Uh, Fifteen. Fifteen. Um. If we had a camera above our scene, at this point in time. We would zoom in on this clearing, and then we'd zoom down closer, and we would see a, um, a group of people that are starting to fan out and spread out a, a, around this foliage. And then suddenly... Just a moment, sorry. Suddenly, we see... Pocahontas. Pacano. Pull out a weapon and start shouting. And he starts running forward toward this moose. And we then enter initiative order. Uh, Arleth is first in the initiative order. I need to pull something up for her. Did we roll initiative? That was your initiative, your stealth. Oh. 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 Um, well, okay. Did you get my roll? I did. Nice. So, actually... Okay, got it. That's fine. We're good. Ignore me. You're good? Okay. Um... Our camera zooms in and closes on 
this human woman who has this gear that's sitting in her neck and embedded into her neck and we zoom into her eyes um, and as Pacano begins running forward we see her eyes widen and we see the moose's eyes widen and its head turn and then Arlith is transported back to some past memory we see a human woman with dark long hair tied in a ponytail running through the forest she wears a bandeau covered in thin metal pants made of animal hide and furs around her shoulders that drape down her back embedded within her neck is a single gear that seems to turn more quickly the faster she runs in her left hand is a longbow pieced together with different metals various gears and a bowstring made of a synthetic sinew that glints in the light a quiver of arrows is slung across her back. Suddenly she stops, peering past the trees into a clearing with a large woolly rhinoceros. She knocks an arrow and flips a switch on her bow. The bowstring tightens as gears turn around the long bow. It whirs for a moment, just a little louder than she anticipated. No, 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 no. The rhino's ears perk up, and its head lifts from the shadow grass. Its eyes turn toward her, and the rhino charges. Arleth lets loose her arrow and begins to run, almost tripping over herself as she careens through the forest, the rhinoceros crashing past the trees behind her. In a moment of desperation, she climbs a tree in her path. The rhinoceros looks up at her, stomps the ground, headbutts the tree lightly, and pushes a puff of air from its nostrils. A rhino, Arleth? Really? A rhinoceros? <sighs> she lets out a sigh of relief. And then we're transported back to the scene with the moose. And Arleth knocks an arrow on her bow. As she steps to the side and fires. Uh, 15 to hit. Cool. And let me switch the music up here. There we go. Okay. And her arrow... Misses the moose. Next up. We go to Tuscar. Uh, our, what would you like to uh, start with, Tuscar? Uh, well, Tuscar, seeing now that the, the quarry is aware of our presence, screams a battle cry and enrages and immediately runs towards the moose. And uh, if I could interrupt you, are you good with that? Yep. As Tuscar begins to rage, we see in his eyes a past memory as well. A large man stands at the edge of the brush 
A large clearing of tall grass ahead. A dire wolf stares back from the other side of the clearing, growling. And Tuscar readies a towering great axe with two hands, holding the weapon in front of him, eyes trained on the growling black wolf. The wolf charges, fur bristling in the evening breeze. Tusker waits. And Dan, Dan, if you'll take a look at that journal entry. Am I... Where is it linked? I got you. I'll show it to you. So Tusker waits and begins to count. And Dan, if you'll say the red, that would be awesome. I'm not seeing what you're referring to. Okay. Um, oh, there it goes, there it goes. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, one, two, three! Tusker swings. The blade catches the edge of the beast's neck, but it dodges to the left before the steel can sink in. A loud, chaotic bark falls from the wolf's jaws. Its teeth sink into Tusker's right shoulder, but the man counters with a swing of his axe, landing against Wolf's ribcage. It yelps and pulls away, then begins barking aggressively. Dan. One, two, Tusker charges the beast, but steps on a camouflaged rock beneath the tall grass. His foot slips, and while stumbling forward, the great axe also slips from his grasp, falling beneath the tall grass. The wolf's teeth sink into the same shoulder from before. Tusker begins grunting at the beast and punching its neck, every fist landing hard against the skin beneath the bristling fur. Eventually, the beast releases its vice on the man, and Tusker stares it down, screaming incoherently. Barking, the dire wolf backs off from Tusker and releases a chuff from clenched jaws. It barks once, then sprints into the forest, its trail of blood soon masked by the evening's setting sun. And I would like to ask you to finish your action at this point in time. Yeah. Um, Tusker enrages, moves up to the axe, and attempts to strike it. Uh, it's... What, how do you calculate your basic attack bonus? Um, that's going to be your... You are trained in your weapon, so it's going to be your training. It's going to be two plus your level, um, I believe, plus your... Strength? I think that's going to be your attack, boy. Your attack, yeah. Three. All right, so I'm at a plus seven. Nice. That, that sounds right, yeah. Here we go. All right, so... Wow. Oh no! Starting oh, off no. strong. Okay, and yeah. we're gonna try this one more again. Good. Uh, and taking into account the uh, the penalty, however, being using a great axe, I have the I I reduced the penalty by one, so it's only a minus four. Yeah. Um. So here we go. Oof, that's oh, almost that one. 22! Oh, let's go. That's a hit for sure. Oh, nice. Okay, uh, so you're gonna take it's 
strength plus all of my other bonuses, correct? I believe so. Yep. So it's going to be damage plus strength. Okay. So that is going to be... Here we go. Oh, alright. 12 plus... Uh... You take this many damages. 13 damages. Alright. And this moose, moose just... That's my best moose. <laughs> like, <laughs> cries out in pain. Uh, where are you striking it? Are you hitting it against what part of its body? I'm hitting it in the shoulder with my giant oversized axe. Cool. All right. Is that your full turn? Uh, that is it. That is all three of my actions. Nice. Next up, we're at Bloodhound. All right. Um, so bear with me here. I didn't read any of the rules. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a day. It's okay, okay, neither did I. Right? I, I was I was planning on prepping a lot, and it just didn't happen. Um, I would like to hunt prey and hunted shot slash flurry. Um, if I read this last week correctly, I can do that all in one turn. Okay, I'll trust you. If it doesn't work out, then we can fix it next time. Yeah. Um, so up the the sheet real quickly. So I'm going to hunt prey. Is there any way for me to throw this into the chat? Cool. Um, so you get a plus two circumstance bonus to perception checks when you seek your prey and plus two circumstance bonus to survival checks when you track your prey. You also ignore the penalty for making range attacks within your second range increment against the prey you're hunting. Nice. You can only have one designated creature at a time. What does it look like as you zero in on this prey? Um, Bloodhunter has... Bloodhound has knocked back one arrow, holding the second arrow in between their pinky and ring finger. And, and has pulled the bow straight up to their eyes and is sighting the target. And for, as... Yep. Yeah, as you pull that bow up to your eyes, our camera zooms in on your eyes, and we are then transported into a past memory. Three humans. I have walk. a voice line for the first part if you want. Yeah. Right now? For for when it comes to the first Go. thing. Yeah. Three humans walk past the boundary of a campsite from the trees, one of them wearing a mask, chest rising and falling from exhaustion. The human with the mask steps into a circle of tents made from animal hide as their air as their eyes scan for someone. The others dispense I'm sorry, disperse into the campsite. Mr. Cinder guides us all. My parents, to take our responsibilities for all is to take the power of the gods. I am no god, and I am not nothing. I am Bloodhunter. An old man approaches. Child, you were supposed to return with the butchered ape. How else are we to stop it from terrorizing the following? Uncle, we tried. This is all we could do. And the man holds up a large canine tooth, fits in the palm of his hand, and more. We will try again tomorrow. The old man's face pales as his stare droops to the ground. A roar sounds from the nearby tree line. A man from the campsite shouts, The ape! The beast has followed them home! Standing eight feet tall, a gorilla with one large canine protruding from one side of its upper lip and curving past its mandible, 
crashes into the campsite, rushing directly to Bloodhound and the old man. The gorilla roars and lifts his fists, dropping them directly into the chest of the old uncle. He coughs a spattering of blood and falls. Bloodhound freezes for a moment after seeing his uncle fall to the ground, then picks up an axe and screams, striking the beast in the arm, severing the limb from its torso. The creature wails, stumbles back, looks at Bloodhound, then retreats into the forest. Bloodhound lowers to his uncle, cradling the old man in his arms. Thank you, child. Well, I did not think it will harm us. I do not think it will harm us any longer. He winces as he breathes in. You do have some broken tusk within. I knew it. And the old man's head goes limp. And what would you like to do with the rest of your action? I would take, like to take my hunted shot. Do it. All right. So remind me what map is, because I see these on the thing and I don't know what they are. They look scary. Uh, map, that is your your second and your third attack. So your first attack is gotcha. strike plus whatever the bonus is. So then I had to hit with the, with the map, but instead of the minus five, I think I get a minus three instead. Yeah, that makes sense as oh, a ranger. Target is your hunted prey. There we go. Yeah. So... Here's the first roll. Oof. Whoa. What's that and, total? Uh, 24. Okay. And then here's the second roll. Fifteen. Both. I'm sorry. The first one hits. The first one hits. Okay. Yes. Three damage. Nice. And your arrow lands where? Uh, the first one that hits the 24 directly in the neck of the moose. Okay. The moose then rears up and looks directly at Tusker. And it's going to start with its antlers, swinging them at Tusker. Rat row. That's a 22 against your AC. Uh, pretty sure that hits. That would make sense. Um, and then our damage is gonna be. Um, Ooh. Yeah, you're gonna take 16 points of damage. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Yeah. Uh, hold on. Let me see how much extra HP I get. Welcome to Pathfinder 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Very exciting. Level 1 plus con mod. What's my con mod? I forget. Uh, okay. So, 2, 3. So, 13 points of damage total, as you've already chewed through my temp hit points. Okay. Oh, my God. All right. I'm still up. It swings a second time at a minus 5. Um <laughs> Fearing for its life, this thing crashes down at you and totally misses. Oh, thank God. Yeah. That um, was almost an at 20. Yeah. And then it's going to see all of you attempt to move this way. 
unfortunately, unless you have the feet, there are no attacks of opportunity in Pathfinder 2. Um, oh yeah, what was that? That might have been a crit fail. Let's... Oh, what is your AC, Dan? Um, so that's a really good question. Uh, I got a... I had written down my equipment, but now I don't see it. So, it matters uh, if you can figure it out, because I yeah, rolled yeah. a 9. And yeah. I might crit fail that if your AC is 19. Well, what What is the barrier for that? If you have an AC of 19, and I get minus 10 uh, to your okay. AC, then I crit fail. By minus 10? I, I don't think you did. Uh, so it's... Or, a okay, 19 so. would be high at level 1 for AC. Yeah, no, you definitely... Uh, hold on. Fuck, I just had it. Now it's gone again. Um, yeah, you did not. Okay. So you're fine. Um, and then the moose attempts to flee and then notices that its path is blocked. Um, and... Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's not. That was not a successful nature roll earlier. Uh, it attempts to flee. It moves 20 feet in this direction. And Whippa shouts, Do not let our hunt escape! And then next we go to Mrs. Sprout. What would you like to do? Uh, Mrs. Sprout is going to... Ah, my turn changes drastically with it moving. Um, I think she's going to take the... Stride action. There's no, is there, there's no run, right? You just stride twice? You can just stride twice, correct. Okay. And then you would still have one more action to spend. Okay, let's see, what do we got here? Oh, I can make it there. Nice. Nice. Um, and as you are running, as this plant person is like, I would imagine, at least how I imagine it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but you're kind of like weaving through the foliage, like almost it's, gliding. It's kind of a shamble in my head where it's just kind of like... <laughs> cool. Um... And we zoom in on your character's eyes. Aleshi walks through the trees, blending in seamlessly with the underbrush with every step. Would you like to describe Mrs. Sprout again? Sure. Uh, in this scene, you see Mrs. Sprout um, somewhat younger than she is now. Um, she has less sort of human items on her. Uh, you see a large oaken shield um, strapped to her back, um, and she wears no clothing. Um, she looks like <laughs> she's lived most of her existence in this underbrush. Um, and as she walks through these trees, maybe she is exploring, maybe she is foraging. Her intention is unclear, but she moves at a headstrong pace through the foliage. Scented inkberry, hammer folly, stinking pepper, tangle vine tree. 
She recites the names of plants that she passes as she moves. Poisonberry parsnip, ice thorn, lunar root, ghost flower, sick we- Ah! And she is interrupted as she is abruptly lifted from the ground by her ankle, hoisted upward. Her upper body dangles for a moment, head just a foot from the ground. As soon as she is lifted, however, she is dropped back down. A large doe stares her down. Front hooves, widely set, and black eyes in an unwavering glare. Its head and body twitches as if trying to move, and Mrs. Sprout stares back at the herbivore. A moment passes. Each creature idly stares back at the other. Another few moments pass. Mrs. Sprout stands frozen in place, and the deer steps closer, lowering its head to sniff the strange plant it just pulled from the ground. Its tongue loops around one of Mrs. Sprout's leaves as it steps closer to her. Content with its safety, the doe stands in place and continues to eat from the leshy's body. Leaves, berries, and an accidental twig once or twice. With every bite, Mrs. Sprout's face cringes with a sting of pain. Eventually, the doe leaves, its hooves padding against the soil, away from Mrs. Sprout. Mrs. Sprout remains frozen in place for another minute or so, then stands back up, walking through the underbrush, reciting the names of the plants she passes. Well, where was I? Hammer holly? Tangle vine tree? Ah, lunar root! And her voice trails off as she continues deeper into the forest. Go ahead and finish your, uh, your turn, Tommy. You're muted, by the way. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, she's going to enter mountain stance. I'm so ready for Mrs. Sprout's <laughs> voice. And that will be her third action. Nice. Agnes, I believe it is your turn. Hey, Sprouty. Way to leave me out in the open. And I'm gonna, so Agnes is kind of like, what the fuck? And she's gonna charge after uh, Mrs. Sprout in the same kind of direction. Okay. Um, so I guess I, I, I technically want to do two uh, strides, and then I would like to do a tumble through to the other side of the moose. Interesting. I like it. Um, give me an so, acrobatics check, please. Yes, I will give you that. I wonder if I click this, it'll happen for me. And for no. anybody who's newer to Pathfinder 2nd Edition, when you tumble through, there are a couple ways, I believe, to do it, but one of the more common ways is you roll an acrobatics check against the reflex DC of the creature, and the reflex DC is just 10 plus whatever the reflex saving throw is of the creature. Oh, buddy. Well, and if you fail... <laughs> oh! Uh, <laughs> Uh, what was your total? Uh, looks like a 12. Cool. Uh, let me see. Gotta get the rules myself. If anybody in the chat knows what happens if you fail. Uh, let's see. You stride up to your speed during this movement. You can try to move through the space of one enemy. Attempt an acrobatics check against the reflex DC, blah blah blah. You can tumble through using whatever movement you have. Uh, success. You move through the enemy space. 
Failure. Your movement ends, and you trigger reactions as if you had moved out of the square you started in. Okay. Um, does this have any sort of reaction? Nope. That's the end of your turn, I believe. And you. So I just don't make it to the other side. I believe you're right there. So you can move up to the moose, but you don't make it to the other side of the moose. Got it. Okay, well, that's all three of my actions. Okay, very nice. Then we, uh, as as you begin to tumble through, we see you preparing for this action, and then our metaphorical camera zooms in on your eyes, and... We see a human woman who holds a pouch of berries, crouching in the shadow grass next to a serpent fireberry plant. She checks the underbrush for snakes with poking st- with a poking stick, and after a few moments of prodding, she reaches her hand into the bush to pick berries. Would you like to give us another image of Agnes? Yeah, so at this point in time, like, Agnes is kind of, like, tattered. Like, her blonde hair has some, like, sticks running through it. She's clearly kind of been through some stuff in the previous days um and so she's kind of like looking around to gather some berries maybe something to eat her clothes are kind of torn up like she's she's in the kind of rough shape you're muted thank you we see her begin to pick one berry and then two and then a handful and then two handfuls she neatly picks the fire berries with precision placing them into a pouch her attention is focused on the center of the plant where snakes would hide, with her periphery mindlessly searching for berries on the exterior. Berry after berry, each one a unique mix of pink and yellow droplets, almost like a multicolored raspberry. She breathes out and rests her hand for a moment. Something in her periphery then catches her attention, followed by a clicking noise. A massive bird, opening and closing its wide beak rapidly, peers at Agnes from no more than ten feet away. Its head cocks to one side. One foot lifts from the soil. The foot gingerly lowers back to the ground a couple feet closer to Agnes than before. The bird's head lowers down to peer closer at the crouching woman. It stands at five feet tall, maybe even six. Her mind races. A rock. It's a rock. Gods, it's a rock. Rock. Everything she knows about the predatory bird floods her mind in an instant. Cold sweat drips from her brow. The bird moves closer. Her dagger's within reach, but for some reason she can't reach for it. Agnes slowly turns her head until she peers directly at the wide-set beak and the black beady eyes that analyze their prey. The head bobs side to side, staring Agnes into frozen fear. And we begin to zoom away. Our camera repositions behind the rock. Pale-faced, wide-eyed, and breathing quickly, Agnes is frozen. Then a nearby group of trees rustles. The bird's head turns abruptly, and an ankylosaurus quietly emerges complete attention on the shadow grass below. Paying no heed to the rock or to Agnes, it walks directly toward the two, nose in the grass. Startled, 
the rock darts away. And Agnes, after we see that vision, we see you attempt to tumble through and then get stopped by this moose. Um, next up. I feel like I kind of tumble into the lakes a little bit and like, it's just a little bit lo- longer than I thought. Cool. Next up is Namir. What would you like to do? Namir steps around the foliage and prepares to call to the moose and command it to stay in place. Okay. Um, And Namir, as you... What what does it look like when you begin to cast your spell or or try to command the creature? Numir looks over his shoulder to his mentor and then looks back at the moose. She nods. And steps forward slowly as he begins to prepare the somatic components of the spell that he is about to cast. He closes his eyes briefly. And as you close your eyes, we're transported back to a past memory of Namir. The catfolk stands tall at the top of a hillside overlooking the plains and mountains beyond. Would you like to describe Namir again, or would you like me to continue? Namir looks much like we see him uh, as he's hunting the moose, but much more um, disgruntled. He is not wearing his leathers. He's wearing the clothes of a noble, and they are torn and his mustache and beard, while he likes to keep them so uh, clean and and well-styled, at the moment they are very much out of place. Um, It's clear that he is covered in grime and has had a very bad day. And as, as you look on, you see a small herd of mammoth walking together lower down along the bottom of the hill upon which you stand. Namir holds a thin charcoal pencil and an open book, jotting notes into the pages as the mammoths pass. Fourteen. Fifteen. Sixteen. Sixteen in the group. Led at the front by the largest bull. Namir jots down more notes in his book. The lead bull then trumpets in the distance and the group slowly begins to turn. The herd now walks up the hill, encumbered steps pulling the weight of their massive bodies upslope. Namir looks at the lead bull. 16 in the group, led at the front by the largest bull led at the front by the largest bull. The largest bull. Namir's facial expression is frozen in fear now and his book falls to the ground, holding the charcoal pencil tightly in his right hand. 20 meters away. 10 meters. 5 meters. Namir looks up at the lead mammoth, which barely regards his presence. The bull swings his head and flaps his ears, a muffled trumpeting sound from his truck, from his trunk. Namir falls backward to the ground. 
from behind the catfolk man. A small juvenile mammoth crests over the hills from behind Namir, clumsily traipsing through the, the grass. It settles into the trunk's embrace of the lead bull, then disappears behind him into the herd. The bull trumpets again, and the herd begins to move back down the hill. Namir, breathing heavily, catches the eye of the juvenile as the herd turns away. Ah, 17 in the group. And are you casting command now? So, as Namir steps around the, the foliage, he locks eyes with the moose and says, Stay, friend, and casts command. Is that a will save on my part? That is indeed, and you can just click that there. Beautiful. 17 against your spell DC. I'm afraid that our dear moose is not tempted to stay. Okay. Um, he looks at you, he makes eye contact, and then shakes it off, and then looks at Mrs. Sprout, and looks at Agnes. And this is when Pacano strides almost right up to the moose. And then, as he strides, he trips and he falls on his face. Top of the round two, Arleth, what are you doing? That's me. That's me. I'm Arleth. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> Arleth steps forward, strides once. No, she's going to stride over there. I believe she can make it there. Uh, then she strides twice. And she uses her longbow. Misses again. Next, Tusker, what do you do? Also, you are muted, Dan. I come right here. Cool. But I don't, I'm not sure. Can I? Where is that? I was right here. Is that enough space? Yep, there we go. Nice. Um, so I don't have 30 feet because that's not the norm in this game. Um, move there and I want to take a swing. Because uh, this moose pissed me off a lot. <laughs> Die, moose. <laughs> Hell yeah. Ooh. You're going to take some damages. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, plus that many. Uh, another 12 points of damage. Alright, and it screams out in pain. And we're gonna make our last attack, hopefully smashing it. Please, God. No! Oh, no! <laughs> Close! That's a zero plus your attack bonus. <laughs> uh... Yeah, well, yeah, I rolled a, a five, so I still had a plus three oh, to my minus roll. Oh, got it, got it, got it. But, uh, yeah. What's the total? That's, it's an eight. Dan, I'm afraid that that is our first critical fumble on stride to strike. Oh, boy. <laughs> Yo. Um, Bad. I don't have my cards on me at the moment. Um, 
I don't know if I'm going to use the cards for this game. But the good thing about Pathfinder 2, written rules, is that critical fumbles are not necessarily a horrible, horrible thing. Usually it's just a miss. I like to have the cards handy a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, Don, who I, okay, Don's in the chat. He's like, you, you ran and got the cards for me when I fumbled. So you know what? It's only fair. I'm sorry, Dan. I'll be right back. Yeah. <laughs> Tuscar. It was great. Bye-bye. Two whole seconds. All right. Okay. You're right. It's only fair. It is only fair. That's a little too intense. I don't want you to die in the first session. Okay. I told you it's sharp. Oh, boy. You take 1d6 persistent bleed damage as... I'm thinking maybe as you you swing, you like catch the antler of this creature. And I'm gonna make that 1d4 because I think 1d6 is pretty brutal. Um, three persistent bleed damage. Okay. And you'll take that at the start of the your next turn. next turn. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. Is that your full turn, Dan? Yep, that's okay. my full turn. All right. Bloodhound, it is your turn. What would you like to do? Alright. So I can stride twice or three times if it's the full turn. You can go up to three times. You just would not get any other actions. Okay, so I can't Yeah, okay, fuck it. We're doing this. Okay. Twenty-five once. Twenty-five twice. Twenty. Come at me, moose. Nice. All right, is that full turn? That is my full turn. Unless I can pull out a hatchet. <laughs> um, I think you can pull out a hatchet as you are oh, striding. Cool. Um, I could be wrong on that. I may correct you in the future, but we'll say yes for now. Um, next is our moose, realizing he is cornered. Um, he has a better chance if he steps and goes after Bloodhound. So he takes a five foot step which is just a move action in 2E. And then he's going to swing twice. First with his antler. <laughs> Does a dirty 20 hit you, Bloodhound? Uh, it should. Okay. Yeah, it does. Okay. You're going to take... Oof. 16 points of piercing damage. And uh, it's going to... Yeah, it's gonna do it again. Oh! <laughs> oh shit. Um, okay, that's a critical hit, but it's got some minus five. I don't think because it. What do I do? I don't know what what happens. I mean, it's still a crit, but it's a twenty-two and not a or a twenty-three and not a twenty-seven. No, it, I mean it already subtracted five. Oh, it did, huh? Oh yeah, it did. Yep, it's a twenty-seven. Okay. Um, all right, well, that's a critical hit. What are your current hit points, Bloodhound? Three. All right, you're going to take three points of piercing damage, and you are now unconscious at zero. 
Um, where is this? Man, just session one. And next turn, you need to give me a flat death saving throw. Okay. Okay. Um, we I'm now at, go. Go ahead. Is that is that if it's a fail, is that a dead? I just need to know how much I need to prioritize healing him. <laughs> On his next turn, yes. If he fails that, it's a DC 11 check. If he fails that, it is a death. Um, no, 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 no. That's completely incorrect. Uh, he, If he fails it, he goes to dying two. And then if he fails that one, he goes to dying three. And the DC increases by one every single time until it gets to 14, DC 14. And then, if you fail the DC 14 death saving throw, then he's permadead. So he has some chances. Um, just so I have some rounds, is what you're saying. You've got a couple of rounds, yeah. Um, and next up is Mrs. Sprout. Okay. Mrs. Sprout is going to start with a Flurry of Blows, which allows her to take two attacks for one action. Okay. Um, so she's going to do that. We're going to make two falling stone strikes. Uh, I think this is the first. Okay. <gasps> That's a critical hit. <laughs> Let's roll critical damage. Let's do it. No! <laughs> did you hit the critical damage um, button? I did, so that's 10 damage. All right, 10 damage. And then what would you like to do next? Um, this should be MAP minus four, I think. No, it says it's minus five, whatever. Okay. I will agree with it. This is the second attack of that combo, which is an 11, which is gonna miss. That is a miss. It's not a critical failure though. And then I am going to... Let's see. Do I want to tumble through? I don't really want to, but I don't want it to run away. To walk around it. Yeah. <laughs> Do we get more... Y'all are going to have to move anyways. Because you don't have range to hit it, so I'm gonna. You don't know that about me. I don't know that about <laughs> you. You're right. I'm going to um, pull out my large oaken shield, okay, which is an action, and then I'm going to take the shield action. Sounds good. And that gives you a plus one to your AC. It gives me a plus four. What? Because <laughs> okay. I have a tower shield. Oh my god! Cool. Um, that is your full turn, correct? Yes. Alright, then we go to Agnes. What's the name of the guy behind me again? Is it Pacano? Pacano. What is it? I turn around and I'm like, God damn it, Pacano. You really could have picked a worse time to do this. I'm sorry, okay? Oh. <laughs> we really need you right now. 
<laughs> and I'm gonna move. I'm gonna try to do a tumble through again with this moose. Okay. Do I end up back where I started if I fail, or just where I ended? Uh, where you would have made contact with the moose, so you would be able to take that okay. five feet. So then I guess I'll take this five feet, and I'll, I'm gonna try to stumble through him. Okay. Or her. Um, him, but also you could just tumble through as your first action, and then if it stopped you, then you would just end up right next to the moose. Right, that's what I was, like, hoping to do. Mm-hmm. I just moved early because poor planning. Cool. Uh, I'm hitting it for you right now. Oh, buddy. Oof. Um, no, I'm afraid that does not work. In but fact, it's okay because I'm right there. It is a numbers wise, it is a critical fumble. Um, but I don't think there's a critical. Nope, you're fine. Yeah. All right, so now I'd like to pull out my rapier, I guess. I'll unsheathe it. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to go for the strike, so that'll be my second and third action. Okay. Nice. Okay, well, that's better. Okay. <laughs> um, so 25 to hit for the first one. Go ahead and roll damage. Uh, I did. Oh, it was, it was, two. Uh, it was two. Cool. And is that your full turn? I believe that is my full turn. All right. Next, we go to Namir. Uh, so, seeing as uh, we have some folks who are down, or some folks who are, who are not having a good time, um, I'm going to go ahead... Or Namir is going to go ahead and take a few steps in this direction after measuring how far away he can stay from the moose. Okay. <laughs> With his eyes, of course. Yeah. Um, he takes out a tape measure. Prehistoric <laughs> <laughs> um, tape measure. Very useful tool. And focusing on um, Bloodhound. Uh he will cast heal using two actions. Nice. Is that 2d8? Um, I believe it's just the base healing plus 8. So I'm going to go ahead and unfortunately I, I have um, in my my time messing around with my character sheet deleted a, uh, a spell. <laughs> I got you. I, I, think I, can, I think I can do this in a very short period of time. Okay. Drag and drop, baby. Nice. So handy. Close. So um, it is. I do actually, have it up. Yeah, would you go ahead and do that for me? Yeah. Um, so yeah. the spell has a range of 30 feet, and yeah. it just automatically gives the target eight hit points. Okay, that, and that's it at the with um, using two actions. Cool. And what does it look like when you cast the spell? Um, as Namir approaches, he kind of sighs and he um, clenches one of his fists and 
you see um, gold energy um, kind of pulsing. And Namir opens his hand, and the light shoots towards um, Bloodhound's body. And <gasps> Bloodhound, you're awake. You are prone, but you are awake. Do I come back with like one HP? You have eight. Oh, okay. And I believe that brings us to Pacano, who attempts to run through Tusker's square and kind of pushes past Tusker a little bit. It's like, get out of the way! And then trips over Tusker's foot and falls face first on the ground. Um, And it's now Arleth's turn. She steps over. And with one of her actions, she throws her longbow into overdrive. And her, her longbow begins like spinning gears faster. She pulls it back, releases the arrow, and... It's a 21 to hit, which is a hit. Damage. Oof. Overdrive. 11 damage, and the moose gives a loud exhale and falls to the ground, dead. You are successful. And I would like to know, what would you like to do? Mrs. Sprout is going to say, Well, golly gee, I haven't felt this spry in years. What a rush. Namir will approach the moose and kneel by it and close its eyes with his hand. As you do so, Whippa approaches and just nods, looks at all of you and says, Job well done. You are promising scouts. This moose will feed many, many people within our following. And... She says, The hunt is complete, scouts. Those who wish to stay with me for the next several hours will learn to butcher the carcass and use all parts of the animal at our disposal. Everything will be brought back to the following. Anyone may see to their own dealings if they would prefer. The work I asked of you is complete. But I will need others to help me with this task, whether you stay and help or you inform others in the following of our whereabouts so that they can assist me. I will need no more than six helpers. If you leave, please send someone else to assist. Akano, like, storms off. As a... 
Sorry, just as a, a, a housekeeping thing. I, I just, once I fixed the healing thing, um, I think it's a D8 plus eight. So. Oh, cool. Uh, so 16? Um, <laughs> I, I wish. I will go ahead and uh, roll my D8 here. Um, I, I'm not sure it's going to matter, but. Oh, well. I got it. So go ahead and heal an extra one whole <laughs> HP. That was worth talking about for sure. That was, it was good. We know oh, yeah. now. Hell yeah. Um, I am curious, is anyone leaving to go back to camp? As she, uh, she's, she dismissed you if you would like to go back to camp. Yeah, I, well, Tusker needs to fucking heal. <laughs> Mrs. Uh, His ass kicked. Mrs. Sprout will walk over to Tusker and she'll go, here, dearie, eat one of these. And she'll pull off a berry from herself <laughs> and hand it to you. Alright, uh, Tusker will eat it. Uh, let's see what you heal. You heal 5 HP. Nice. Hey! With Tusker. That... Oh, go ahead. I was wondering, uh, I haven't had the opportunity to eat one of those yet. Uh, how does it taste? Very tastes delicious. Hmm. Compliments to the chef. <laughs> it's all the home cooking, you know. Do you have I, any I... more of these berries? <laughs> I have to look up if I do. <laughs> <laughs> with 5 HP, would you stay with the group? Uh, I mean... So at this point, I'm down uh, about one third of my health. Here's what I'll do. I'll just take a, a full three actions to um, there you heal everybody. Nice. For a D8. Um, just so that, you know, I, I, I would heal you specifically, but I think some other folks are missing HP as well. Um, so... Arleth is very intrigued by what you're doing. She's watching you carefully. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, it should be noted that um, as um, Namir closes his eyes and concentrates fully on gathering this, this golden energy that you see in his paws, um, he looks very frustrated. He doesn't particularly enjoy this and it's pretty clear um so pretty much as soon as the golden energy coalesces within his hands he releases it and you all feel just a little bit better it's a little underwhelming do we hold do we heal one or nine you all heal one. <laughs> oh, fuck okay <laughs> i'll take it um go ahead I, uh, oh go ahead i looked it up and i get one berry per day <laughs> oh my um so give me a survival check Dan uh right um survival is wisdom right yes right. he's bleeding right uh oh yeah you do have the bleed condition well like what if I use alright so I'm looking at the skills right and mm -hmm. there's not like a uh, there's like first aid thing, right? 
Correct. Oh, you know what? Does Arleth have a healer's tool? Healer's kit? She might. Yeah. I can use um, nature instead of medicine to perform heal checks. Um, does anybody have healer's tools? Um, I may. Uh, I'll have to check my bag. Uh, Namir gets his backpack off and, and ruffles through his, his belongings. <laughs> I think um, it makes sense for you to have healer's tools, and I feel like the following would provide you with healer's tools at some point. What a coincidence. I do indeed have them in my backpack as I search the compendium for healer's tools. <laughs> and, uh... Five so, gold? Ugh. I've one got of, soap if you want to wash out those wounds. Uh, one of the cool things about healing in Pathfinder 2 is that you you can take a full hour to heal yourself and you regain 4d8 hit points instead of the 2d8 hit points. Um, so give me a medicine check, whoever is going to attempt that. It's a DC 15. This is Sprout. We'll definitely try. Um, yeah, you can have my healing to to do that. I don't know if someone else is also talented, but I have done it. Okay, so uh, Dan, Tusker yep. regains 4d8. Tommy or Dan, will you roll 4d8? I gotcha. Okay. I'm pretty sure this will be enough. Yeah, that's plenty. Um, so I am at full now. Cool. Um, so yeah, uh, with that healing, Tusker would definitely stay with the group. Um, but I, I think, like, why did we hunt this moose? What was our, our impetus? Food for the feast of the Night of the Green Moon, which is a major, um, it's a, a, a major festival that happens every year, I believe around the summer solstice. Um, and we're on the summer solstice. Uh, Tusker's going to walk over to the moose and using his axe is going to hack one of the antlers off its head. Okay. And then he's going to keep that antler. Whippa looks at you and says, it will make a fine blade or a fine tool in the future. Yes, that is the plan. And over the next several hours, as Whippa stated, you butcher the carcass, you learn to carefully remove the hide and the organs, you learn to segment the skeleton and carve out the meat, you learn to separate the hide into multiple sheets of skin, and you place the carved meat and separated bones atop the skins, learning to bind them together, holding the contents as a canvas wrap. Anything that does not fit within the butchered moose's own hide is placed into separate hides brought to the site by Whippa. And after wrapping the contents, you walk back to camp, drop them off at a tent that will be used for food storage. And all of you, as you stayed with Whippa, you gain the all of the animal skill feat as a bonus feat. Um, animal skill? It's all of the animal 
skill feat. I can send that in the uh, chat a little bit later. Um, but I think one thing that happens as you're going through this act of skinning the carcass, um, butchering the animal, um, Arleth looks over at all of you and says, I don't believe we've really met in the past. Namir, I know you, um, but it's nice to spend time with new faces. I usually spend my time over near the herd, um, the herd of mammoths being what she references. And I'm pleased to make your acquaintance. It's nice to see and make friends. The honor is mine. Though I, I, though I believe I, I may have mended your wounds before. She laughs a little bit. Yes, the herd can be rowdy. I don't believe they are um, malicious, of course. Not at all. Uh, Agnes is gonna like look around at everyone, and she's gonna laugh and be like, "You should have seen the look on your faces. I knew all along that we were gonna be just fine." And she like reaches to her harrow deck and pulls out like a card of like a like a bountiful harvest. Amazing. I think. Like, nice to meet you. I'm Agnes, the All Seeing. And I think with that, if it's okay with everybody. Um, once we go through introductions for different characters, if we need to, I'd like to start wrapping our session up. Yep. Um, Bloodhound or Tusker, did you want to introduce yourselves to the group at all, or uh, would you be quieter? Um, Tusker, I think, would definitely introduce himself to the group. Uh, so, would I be introducing myself at this point in time, or would I have done this earlier? I feel like you may have done it earlier, but this is more downtime than you've had to yeah. talk. Um, yeah, Tusker would, would like, uh, during, I guess, moments prior, or uh, during their downtime, uh, Tusker would say, Hello, everyone. I am Tusker Bjornvark, and I am a mighty hunter, and, uh, I am glad to have uh, scored this kill with you today. And uh, here's to many more. Yeah. Hopefully with fewer wounds. <laughs> yeah, he got me pretty good earlier, didn't he? <laughs> he did indeed. Um, well, uh... For those of you who do not know and have not used my services before, uh, I am Namir of the Moose House. Um, I've spent most of my days training with Nocta, um, and I'm happy to provide my services to any of you as needed. Hopefully, you will not need them. What a nice man! And what a nice... Uh, they tell me I'm a leshy. What a nice leshy. 
<laughs> um, is Bloodhound staying quiet or introducing themselves? Bloodhound is kneeling near the animal, sniffing some dirt and looking around to the horizon as they then outstretch their arm and along comes a raven to rest and perch. And they look back to the group. My name is Bloodhunter, but you may call me Bloodhound. It is nice to meet you. And then they look back at their raven. Go ahead. And I think with that, we kind of, our camera pans upward and we see a massive valley that's just full of greenery and um, our, our group kind of continues butchering this carcass um, and finishing their task. And I think that's where we'll call session for tonight. We will be back in two weeks with episode two of Quest for the Frozen Flame. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Emma, this was fun. Thank you. But wait, don't go. Thank you for joining us on Stride and Strike. Quest for the Frozen Flame is fantastic, and I'm super excited to continue it. I hope you'll join us for our other shows. I encourage you to follow us on Twitter, at Greatest Guardians. That's at G-R-8-S-T, Guardians. Um, thank you. I hope you'll join us for other shows in the network, too. 